0: Here we are, back with brisks, bulls, and bears. I guess after last segment, you probably anticipated that there must have been a reaction in the YGYI stock. Listen, news, reactions, expectations, one of the things I learned about the public markets is the news is just there to put out as it happens. That's our job as a public company. We have news, we have information, and it needs to be shared with our shareholders. We don't always know what the reaction is going to be. Sometimes we think we can anticipate it, sometimes we can't. But at the end of the day, it's really important to know the fundamental pieces of how you should be evaluating public companies. You know what you should be looking into. You know you might anticipate information that you think might drive a stock up or down or whatever. And it's not always the case because there's so many components uh, involved in this. You know, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we, we made that announcement on hand sanitizer. And, you know, we learned that today the market wants immediate results. So when we made that announcement, there was a, actually an interesting reaction. And all we were doing was adding a product that had great need in a really difficult time and the market was enthusiastic about that. Uh, meanwhile, the announcement we made last week about the joint venture, many, many of our shareholders we heard from, and they were disappointed, not in the announcement, but in the reaction of the stock. But at the end of the day, we're in business for long term, and so is everyone else. When you're in the public markets, it's got to be a long-term strategy. It can't be about a news event. For God's sakes, it's very difficult to build an event, and a business, sorry, and and. Uh, based on news you got to build it on sound business principles that's why we talked about the business plan in section one of the program today but what I want to talk to you about is the various components when you evaluate a company okay let's talk about one that is so confused right now and what that is is market cap or market capitalization oh my goodness for whatever reason this is one of the most uh, misunderstood Uh, terms when we talk about public markets. They hear market cap and I don't know if people are just afraid. Most people think it's the stock or the price of the stock. And really what it is, is it's, it's two. It's two components uh, to get to what your market cap is or any public company's market cap. And I hear it all the time, wow your company's not doing as well as such and such a company because their stock price is four dollars and your stock price is one dollar. Or that company is doing amazing because its stock price is a thousand and this, the competition stock price is five hundred dollars. Yeah the stock price can have something to do with it but what you need is the price of your stock. That stock that everyone can see, a public stock. And you have to multiply that price by the number of shares. The number of shares that are outstanding, right? Issued in and out. Those shares are the key, key piece. So you take your price times the number of shares, and that gives you this thing we call market cap. So what I thought I would do to help you see how this works is let's go down a, a couple of industries that we're involved in and look at some other companies. By no means are these all the public companies. And by no means am I recommending you buy these companies, not buy these companies, sell these companies. This is just for reference only. So we'll start with the, the uh, companies in the hemp space, a company called Charlotte's Web, for example. Their stock price on the chart is $4.15 a share. Well, that's not bad, $4.15 a share. But think about it. Is it bad? Is it good? It's really meaningless unless you know how many shares are outstanding. Charlotte's Webb has 108,000 shares outstanding, 108,000 shares in the public market. So its market cap is 415 times 108,000. Or its worth, market cap value, $451,000. OK? That's, sorry, $451 million. Wow, 415 times 100,000 shares, 400 million shares, $451 million. Okay, there's another company, New Age Beverage. This is interesting. It's a lot like our company. It it dabbles in the hemp space, beverage space, and in the direct selling space. That company's stock price $1.53. It has 84 million shares, outstanding. So its market caps $129 million. And then there's another company that uh, builds on brands. We have it here, YCBD. YCBD sells for $0.83 a share and has 51 million shares outstanding. So its market cap is about $42 million. So isn't it interesting how the share price doesn't always correlate with the market capitalization? It's very, very important that you understand this difference. Uh, This this, uh, is where you'll hear words uh, like dilutive deals. In other words, people, investors, get very concerned about dilutive deals. Why are they concerned about that? Because if you issue a lot of shares, you still have to multiply the share price by the number of shares. And if you do issue too many shares, you'll see the market cap uh, come down. Okay, uh, because the uh, the amount of shares that were issued, and you may see more, worse for the investors is the share price fall on dilutive deals because there's more shares outstanding to hold that market cap. So nature Sunshine, uh, well, let's dovetail into that a different type of business. nature Sunshine in the direct channel, their stock price is eight dollars and thirty seven cents, and they have about twenty million shares outstanding, so they got a market cap of one hundred and sixty two million dollars ish. And then there's another company I like to watch. LifeVantage is also in the direct selling space. $13 stock price. Wow, that's pretty good, $13 stock price. That's one of the higher ones we discussed. But their issued in outstanding shares is only 14 million. Think about it. It's the lowest of the ones that we discussed. So it's market cap its share is higher because there's less shares to multiply it by. So that's $187 million market cap on that company with its $14 share price. So here we go, let's compare LifeVantage, $13 a share, with the first one we discussed, Charlotte's Web, with $4 a share, yet Charlotte's Web's market cap is $451 million and LifeVantage's market cap is $187 million. Wow! a lot less and that has to do with what? We're multiplying the number of shares uh, with the stock price. Could you imagine what Charlotte Webb's stock price would be if it had only 14 million shares issued and out like LifeVantage? Think of how high that stock price would have to be to get to 451 million dollar market cap, so this is how it works. You know, here at Youngevity, I threw it up on the graph. We have a dollar sixty stock price, and we have 30 million shares issued and out. So right now, that would give us a market cap of 48 million dollars. The dollar sixty times the number of shares. So it's very, very interesting to look at these pieces. Now many people, when we announced the deal we did last week, we talked about some thought they were a little bit disappointed. They thought the stock would react once again. You can't depend on the news and how it will Make a reaction of your stock. As a public company, your job is just to put the news out accurately and go and execute your business plan and draw shareholders that believe in the plan that you're putting and go ahead and meet your forecast. I think the reason why our shareholders expected a reaction was because we went ahead and brought in an asset value, right? We talked about it in the last segment. $22.5 million of asset value was going to come into our company. It's a lot of asset value. And we were going to issue about six and a half million shares to create that additional asset value, right? The land, the cash going in, and the execution of the five million options. Well, if you do the math on that, that would be about a $0.61 improvement on the share count. And that $0.61 improvement, we didn't experience on that announcement. We're going to have to go and execute. And I think the reason why is the markets right now, the markets want immediate return. They're gonna to wanna to see if we can make this happen. They're gonna to wanna to see us execute on this big project. And when they do, that's when they'll make a decision whether or not that business deal that we put together makes any sense. So I hope you learned something about market cap. We're gonna be right back with my favorite segment, which is Brisk's Best and Brightest, all about mentorship. And I'm gonna start off this uh, segment drinking a cup of one of my favorite coffees, which is Longevity Be the Change Coffee. It's a uh, it's a brand that actually gives 100% of their profits back to charity, and I really, really appreciate that. So I'm drinking out of my Be The Change mug, and I hope you'll join me for a nice cup of coffee as we talk about mentorship. So let's get started. Last week, man, it was a, like throwing cold water on you last week, go watch uh, episode one. It was, uh, we were talking about the 2020 graduating class hitting the job market during a global pandemic. And uh, that uh, was a very moving segment for me and how difficult I think uh, it's going to be. And you know what? We have uh, difficult times that we face, and we need to know that. Uh, Every generation and every point of our life, there may be a difficult time that faces us. And for the 2020 graduating class, uh, this is a difficult, difficult time. Uh, When we went through last week's program, we talked about uh, when the going gets tough, the tough have to get going. And this segment's going to be a little bit about that. Uh, We also said that at the end of the day, it would be hard work, determination, and a positive mindset and discipline that would make the difference. So on this episode, what we're going to talk about is the work muscle, Okay, the work muscle. And it's definitely near and dear to my heart. It's something I grew up with. Because when I was growing up, like many, many in my generation, so those that are my age are going to probably be smiling right now, I was assigned uh, chores by my parents beginning very, very early. it was quite different than it is in the world today, okay? You had to kind of like work for your food type of thing, okay? And in those days, many say it was simpler times. It was uh, the more traditional family as they spoke it. And it really was. It actually was less stressed. The dad has its role. The dad was definitely the breadwinner. It was before the two-income uh, family and all of that. I'm not against all that. I love it, in fact. I'm so proud of my daughters and what they're doing out there in the marketplace. But it was simpler back then. The dad made the money, and the mom took care of the Family, and I had a great mom and a great dad, and they taught me all of that stuff. But you know, I find it really, really interesting in a strange way with this global pandemic and this wretched virus, how it's a little bit more similar to how it was when I was growing up. We were, you always ate at home, it was rare you went out to a restaurant. Family time was just something that was a given. Uh, There was a shift of priorities, I think, um, with this pandemic. And so if we had to find even a glimmer of of silver lining within that pandemic, I think that that's it it's this family being brought together and the importance of family so you know, let's get back to the assignment of those chores so my father he was especially involved in this in fact he monitored uh, my effort and he had something to say if it wasn't up to his specifications let's just say this was before political correctness, okay? This is at a time when the expression, spare the rod, spoil the child, would be okay. I know you can't actually say that today, but back then you could say that. Uh, But uh, let's just say back uh, when I was uh, growing up, uh, dad ruled the family, okay? And we kind of knew who was in charge there. And uh, uh, having chores and the responsibility and the requirement to work hard began before I ever left elementary school. And it continued straight through college. Uh, what began as not wanting to let him down and, not wanting, and wanting to earn his praise morphed into not wanting, wanting to let myself down uh, and wanting to see how hard I could push myself. And even if I could push myself more than I originally set out to push myself, my father called it exercising the brisky work muscle. Obviously, that's an individual phrase to him. And he instilled that across our family and certainly across uh, my brothers as well. And it instilled uh, more important than the work. For me, it was about a sense of accomplishment. It's about an appreciation for a job well done. It was about coming home at the end of the day, and I still do this today, being able to look in the mirror and know if I had a good day and worked hard and gave it my all. That to me is what the brisky work muscle was all about. Trust me, I thought this term at the very beginning uh, of my childhood, uh, it was like a term that was ingrained in us. And uh, boy, my dad monitored the progress on how we worked. And he monitored our output. And you know what? I did the same thing with my own children. I guess I had to push them the same way. Uh, they, uh, they knew how important hard work was and they knew that you had to be appreciative of the things that you have and my kids deep down inside uh, all of them um, one of the things that they started saying at a young age is I can do it myself daddy and you know what that makes me proud and that's uh, that's what it's gonna take right now you're gonna have to do a lot of this yourself and it's gonna come from your work muscle. The brisky work muscle was very apparent in our family. It's amazing to me how hard everyone worked. My brothers, it was just instilled and it's interesting it's within my cousins as well and I guess maybe our parents thought we just weren't that smart. (laughs) That's what I'm really thinking. That they knew at, at the end of the day what we could control was how hard we work. And I will tell you this, I knew that I could outwork anyone. I could make up for whatever deficiencies I had by just working harder, by working longer. And you know what, that has worked for me and that's worked for really everyone in our family. And I think that's what's gonna work for you. I think that's gonna work for you in this pandemic as you come out in 2020. What are you gonna do, and you're gonna have to outwork your classmates. You're just going to have to work harder to make it happen. Now, one of the things I noticed about the millennial class and the younger generation is that they're um, they're givers. You know, they want time freedom. They want these things. So this is so contrary to this idea of this work muscle. But let me maybe give you a way uh, that you can use it. You know, charitable giving is something really important to the millennial generation, the younger generation. In fact, as a percentage of earnings, a percentage of income, the millennials give away more to charity as a percentage of income than any other generation including the boomers. That is an incredible statistic. So we know, or I know, that social responsibility drives you. But let me tell you something. If you work hard, if you drive and make more money, you can do a lot more for others. Having financial rewards or having a good job and having uh, what you need to make things happen in your arsenal is going to be a key. And if you're the type of person that was like, no, I just want that time freedom. I just want to give for others. And I know that's in your heart. You're going to have to work harder to be able to do those things. You're going to have to fine tune that work muscle. You're going to have to really, really focus on competing. 24 million people now are out of work. The strong are going to survive the work muscle is going to be absolutely critical to your success and I know you're gonna make that work muscle work for you and then you can go ahead and be socially responsible then you can maybe start your own foundation and start a coffee brand that like longevity be the change that gives its profits back to charity that didn't come from being easy that came from hard work and your hard work is what's gonna set you apart during this crisis that we're in and I'm confident that you're gonna be able to do it in a big big way that you're gonna be able to hone in your hard work and you're gonna show people how strong you are but use that brain of yours as well that God-given brain and go back to the segment that we discussed at the beginning of the program on the business plan what is your plan to go out there and land a good job How hard are you going to network? There's people out there wanting to help you. You need to pull out your Rolodex, your phone, your relationships. Talk to your parents. Talk to your friends. And see who's hiring. You're going to have to work twice as hard. You're going to have to talk to five times as many people. That's the work muscle I'm talking about refining to you so you can get started. You can get started on the path in a difficult time. And like I said last week, I am so confident that this generation, this 2020 graduating class, they are gonna do amazing things because they're coming out in difficult times. You're gonna be the overcomers. I discussed it last week. Hone in your work muscle, triple your efforts, and make it happen. In the coming episode, we're gonna focus uh, on a number of things, but I wanna focus on gap moments moments in a coming episode because I think for our younger generation, it'll help you learn how to balance your work muscle with enjoying life. That's Brisky Business.